How about them Ravens? This is Corey, and this is the uh, the Anthem Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Uh, listen, you will be uh, someday. You'll be thirty-eight. You'll be have no uh, dead end job, no prospects, but you'll realize, hey, I'm a porn star. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for episode three ninety three of the Odiantha Podcast, coming to you from all over LA. But Corey is there at the Odiantha Studios, gentrifying LA one neighborhood at a time. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for listening on your podcast of choice. The easiest way, anchor.fm forward slash O the Anthem. I think we'll leave that part for the after dark. The after dark version. (laughs) (laughs) How I accidentally became a porn star. Uh, I've lived the lives of three men. That is how. That's the only explanation. Um, And I continue to say that. People continue to not believe me. And then shit like that happens. And it's like, oh, Corey, have you ever accidentally become a porn star? No. See, he's not the one. It's the other of the three men's lives that I've lived. To be fair, though, uh, anyway. I've never, I've never aspired for that either. So, like, have you ever recorded yourself in the act of lovemaking, Corey? Uh, in various ways, yes. I've never so, like, I've never like scripted it out with like, you know, like <laughs> some hot female plumber coming over to fix the pipes or whatnot. But you know, why is the female the plumber in your fantasy example? No, I was just oh, coming I mean, up with not like gonna a... be you. Yeah, you're not going to be fixing pipes, I guess. Again, um. Anyway, so this I was is a I was episode. just coming up with the idea of why, <laughs> like, I got what kind okay, of porn yeah. uh, based plot would be involved. So, as you guys may know, this is a special episode where Corey's going to send a message out to his daughter twenty years from now. Um, I thought that was the a next great episode. opening. <laughs> no, no, it's a great opening for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine a 16 year old uh 16 year old casey like dad what dad why why would you have me listen to this first time I, first time rob meets casey it's gonna be like hey rob hey casey this is rob he causes trouble <laughs> <laughs> wait you're gonna tell your infant daughter on the way home from the hospital avoid avoid this guy uh <laughs> Here's the thing. Um, much like uh, politely men- nod and smile, and then move on with your life. Don't apply anything said out much loud. Much like every teenage girl who I have been a mentor to, and and boys as well. But this lesson is for the girls. I like to be a cautionary tale. Like, <laughs> don't. If any of the this is a red flag. If any of this pops up while you're on date number one, never call him again. So that's that's my story. Anyway, we got a lot of news to get to yeah. this week. Uh, first of all, I wanted to start out with something funny just because we have a little bit of uh, sad and strange news at the, t- at the very top. Uh, news out today, just this morning. Former UN uh, Secretary, no, UN Ambassador. Former um, Secretary of State. He- Secretary of State. Joint Chiefs. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, a five-star general of uh, the U.S. Armed Forces, Colin Powell. National Security um, Advisor. Yeah. Yes. And it's Colin Powell, but it's that's the 1L. The 1L makes it Colin. The 2Ls make it Colin, apparently. Um, decorated war criminal, uh, you know, starter of wars. Um, as I said in our pre-show call, my favorite Nazi <laughs> died today. Um and, you know, it, as I said, that's somewhat jokingly, but mixed feelings because, like, for us, Colin Powell was the guy in Desert Storm, like, taking questions, finger guns, finger guns, finger guns, you know, doing the questions. Thing. And it, I felt like there is someone competent running the military right now. We're good. 
we're, we're going to win this thing. Uh, come to find out, probably wasn't as big of a question mark as, as I assumed it was. Yeah. U.S. versus Iraq uh, never ends well for Iraq. But um, he uh, has been fighting stage four cancer. Uh, a my, uh, I'm going to fuck that up. Myostopa something. Um, a lot of metastasization of small cancers in his body. Uh, it's a blood cancer, so it, it doesn't bode well. And he'd been on some medication to bring down um, his immune system so that hopefully the drugs will kill off the infection. And I say all that to say he died of COVID. And that those you need those caveats ahead of time. Like, died of COVID, was vaccinated. Also, blood cancer, like five-year fight against blood cancer on drugs to lower his immune system. So those things have to be taken in concert. Yeah, uh, I mean... But- <laughs> We, we we talk about you know COVID deaths a lot on this podcast, but uh, uh, obviously the amounts of people who die who are fully vaccinated is way lower unless you have extenuating circumstances like blood cancer 80, and special treatment. Eighty years old, eighty something years old, yeah. And it's weird because like I think of him in two ages. I think of him the young guy in ninety one, and then like older distinguished gentleman two thousand. 2004 and they don't have a picture of him from now because apparently he obviously was sick but there was one from like two years ago and i'm like damn when did he get old when yeah. did he get old i i still picture the guy at the un um but he did he got old and uh that's gonna happen to all of us we're all on the slow path toward death what's amazing to me about colin powell is that like he uh was as republican as republican got when it came to political beliefs and issues and stuff like that. But to be at the clear, same... for our younger for the younger listeners, he was a nineties Republican. Don't don't Oh yeah. I, mean, I know don't... you're gonna clarify, but don't get confused. Yeah, don't don't think he was one of these types who wants to like blow up the moon or something like that. Uh he, he was he was very, you know, like fiscally conservative, like obviously pro military being a general and uh you know, he fit the the party playbook very well. But at the same time he was this like thoughtful speaker mm-hmm. that made you think that he was making decisions based off of like a long period of deep consideration. <laughs> like, you know, like he, he ended in was... the White House because Bush was the compassionate conservative and Colin Powell was liberal socially, but fiscally conservative and very pro-military. And so Bush was like, well, if you're going to tell me he's black, he's going to be pro- what? Oh. <laughs> Let's well, get not, him in here. Let's not get even, him in here right now. Not even like he was liberally, liberally conservative, though. It was just sort of like a... Um, yeah, some, some, well, sometimes you'll look at like Reagan clips where he says something that sounds oh. like it's a Democratic talking yes. point from today. <laughs> but he was still able to be the Republican candidate. Like, he'll be like, you know, I don't think it matters what, you know, like how someone chooses to live their lives as long as they live it, you know, free and peaceful and like, you know, like... You know, the, not communist. Yeah, not communist. Essentially, um, I'd there, rather have a gay son than a communist son. I'm telling you that right now. There was a there was a meet the press thing that I I thought about uh, today, where Colin Powell was on meet the press, and it was during the Obama administration, and you know a bunch of Republicans had gotten into the calling Obama Muslim thing. Yeah, and he like took a moment. He was just like, you know, like I you know I really want to, I, I really feel deeply about this, so I, I'd like to have a minute to talk on it. Uh, You know, he's not a Muslim. He's Christian. He's been a Christian for as long as he's been alive. But beyond that, what does it matter? Like, what does it matter if he was a Muslim? 
because there's Muslims all throughout this country. I just went to, I just saw some photo essay where, uh, you know, there was a woman crying at a gravestone at Arlington, and up at the top of the grave was not like a star of David or a cross. It was, you know, Islam. It was the the moon and the star and stuff the, like the that. Crescent and the star, yeah. Yeah, um, and. You know, he was born in New Jersey and he died serving our country. He was 13 when 9-11 happened, blah, blah, blah. But like he was so like it it really did. Everything seemed measured but thoughtful with him in a way that like almost no other member of, you know, especially the second Bush presidency uh, felt like there's there seemed to be more like sort of Reagan holdovers that were decent enough people to an extent. And some that not, some who weren't. <laughs> No, and some who definitely weren't, but I'm saying like the 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 uh, H.W. Bush presidency to me is kind of like the the moment where it all started going wrong a little bit. Like there was a couple yeah. yahoos that were allowed inside the castle walls, and they and accelerated during during yeah. W, and then it went straight up nuclear during Trump. You know, like so. I don't but know. I, also, keep in mind, he used that way that you think of Colin Powell is why they used him to sell the yellow cake bullshit to the UN. Because everybody was like, I bet he's he's probably seen the evidence, so I trust him. That's that's the real problem, too. I mean, like, I, I we talked about this when Rumsfeld died, like, whatever, a month ago, month and a half ago. Um, too late. Far well, too late. Years too late. Well, we were, we were, you know, and we talked about it with the with the end of Afghanistan and everything like that. Part of the reason why. Uh, so many people thought that Iraq was the right thing to do, despite no solid evidence that there was anything wrong there, uh, was Colin Powell. He went up in front of the the UN. He spoke like authoritatively on what was going on and why they needed to do this and said a bunch of things. Yeah, like, you know, defended the weapons of mass destruction, which certainly were not like the way it was being described. Like he kind of. It's like if Mr. Rogers lied to you in a way, you know, like you almost yeah. felt like Colin Powell was going to be the one guy who was going to be beyond reproach and not do anything to deceive you, even though he had at times in the past, he had an opportunity to to lie and get something he wanted. But at the same time, he didn't do it. So it made you feel like he never would lie to you. And, uh, you know, kind of it, it's one of those like the. Sometimes the worst thing about you can live on way more than all the great things that happened about you. So, I mean, like, I, you know, I, I hear people, I hear Rob going, you know, going on there, you know, he was a war criminal thing. And, you know, yes, by definition, yes. But like he was at yeah. the same time, like, you know, there there was so much more to who he was and the uh, importance of of him in sort of the national discourse of our lives <laughs> like growing up well, listen, like he was we, such an important part back, of back in 45 we lost a very talented painter he had some controversial opinions <laughs> and he carried him out but he was a very talented painter and given all of the things being equal i mean we could have had a real a real artist there on our hands yeah oh but uh, you know adolf hitler we still should make sure to say he's a nazi and a war criminal and as much as i prefer Colin Powell over Adolf Hitler. He's still a war criminal who knowingly lied to the public and uh, got us into a war that ended this year. Yeah. So, uh, again, that story about the 13-year-old, this kid was 13 when 9-11 happened. There were soldiers fighting in Afghanistan who weren't alive on 9-11. So, 
all pleasantries aside, um, yeah, he, he's still a war criminal. He still <laughs> lied, and uh, it's like I, I, the reason I don't care about Muslims uh, or Christians or anything else is because if they're in a place where that has oil that we want, we'll bomb them. I don't care what their religion is; they're all equal under God and under me. Well, I mean, um, the, the, and the Marine Corps <laughs> credo: kill them all and let God sort it out. I mean, in that, this is really just a more common, a more common problem for the time that we live in, as opposed to you know, because nobody was saying that like. FDR was a war criminal for what he, what he was, what he did. You know, there there was probably more people who were upset that he used the bomb. Uh, but no, fuck. What am I? Truman, what am I doing? Truman. Truman. Truman, Truman. Truman. Yeah, it was after post FDR. Uh, you know, but, but I mean, like, arguably he's during, still a war criminal. No, but, but I'm he, saying he, during, we during were attacked, there were so. different theaters of war where where this was never brought up. It's not yeah. until. Iraq, Afghanistan, this kind of this time period of life where it became more evident that uh, the American position of going in and fixing problems on behalf of themselves is has led to this kind of. It's like uh, we're going to talk about qualified immunity later, right? Uh, You know, there there's a lot of cops who get shielded from qualified immunity because. There was this, you know, long period of time where cops weren't doing shitty things all the time, you know, like. Yeah. Uh, well, but you like Nixon. I still call him a war criminal. We can go back to the 70s. I mean, John Kennedy, you might love him. War criminal. Still bombed I mean, like, uh, it, Cambodia. So, I mean, what uh, the, the the question you have to ask yourself is, is anybody who's in part uh, had any part to play in theater of war <laughs> a war criminal in your mind then? Because like. You know, at what point and where do you separate it? You know, like at what point in the administration I mean, do you separate like, uh, you know, John somebody who is just doing bombed, a job as opposed to John Kennedy secretly bombed Cambodia. Yeah. A lot of people who were not related to the war. So yeah. Nixon. That's a war crime. Nixon did Laos and Nixon decided Cambodia had been done. So he was going to strike out and do his own thing. Laos uh, also saying telling everyone the war is nearly won. So that they wouldn't riot about, you know, drafting another generation of young men to go in and die in Vietnam. Yeah, but that's a war criminal. Um, I, Reagan bombed Grenada and invaded Grenada. That's a war crime. H.W. went into Panama illegally. That's a war crime. I mean, like, I'm not saying that warfare makes you a bad person. Jimmy Carter had two military interdictions in his career or his, his time as president. One of which was a semi-invasion of Iran that failed to rescue the um, the hostages. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I'll give him that one. Uh, and another one was in Central America. And for that, he's a war criminal. I mean, it is what it is. He can love him. Now, has he paid pardon for those sins? Arguably, yes. I mean, there's a 90-year-old guy who builds houses, fell down building houses for homeless people, went to the hospital, and the next day was back out building houses for homeless people. Sold his peanut farm because uh, he was worried about uh, any sort of untowardsness. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, w basically grew up thinking, like, well, my dad's president, so I could be president, too. That's how this works. And they gave it to him. So, uh, Although Jeb would later tell him, that's not how it works, buddy. <laughs> Please clap. I don't think George ever had to ask me with a clap. Uh, anyway, it, it's it's sad uh, that uh, he died. It's sad that he died from COVID uh, 19 months into a pandemic where it could have been stopped 
it hasn't been. Um, that's probably the most tragic thing from the story. But we'll talk about COVID in a bit. Yeah. Now, turning to a positive note, um, Corey has decided he's going to become a strong Catholic again because now he's finally got something to outweigh the kid touchers, yes, but also world peace. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know how... I don't know how ready I am to go uh, running back into the arms of the diocese or anything like that. But I thought you were planning your wedding at the uh, at the cathedral now. No, not as such. Oh, okay. I, Just I'm, the courthouse. I've been having a lot of a. Uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot because you know there's like godparents and stuff like that coming up and. Uh, um, yeah. You know, like I, I just try and think of like how I can be involved in getting that ha- get that working without getting too involved in the church, you know, because. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I've listen, had we problems with, with we, Catholicism here in the last. Uh, we can't go with Rachel's religion. I'm really worried about them passing snakes around in the church and having the baby there. <laughs> I feel like that's probably not a good thing. Well, and like Rob and I were talking about this earlier. Like when when we were kids, if you said uh, some Christian did something crazy, then the answer was Catholics. Like the, whoever did that yeah. thing was a Catholic. Uh, and now I, that was I feel also like when Ireland was very. True, but I mean, like, I feel like the baton has been has been passed. There was, uh, I was saying, I think there there was like once, like, uh, uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, and like you know the Seven Hundred Club, and like all these other like you know sort of televangelist style people became more popular in the religion. Like Crap the Lodella. Protestant sect of Christianity started to become the crazier version. Yeah, Catholics yeah. just seemed like the buttoned up ones who were <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah. Why are they smoking in here? No, no, no. That's <laughs> that's just the 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 urn. Like it's not. Now, to be fair, though, I mean, for people who are younger, what they don't know Northern Ireland, they don't know about all of that. They know the like Creflo Dollar. Like God wants me to have a plane. Sure, they know that part. <laughs> um, but they also know. Uh, I mean, Spotlight. Spotlight is if you're 22, 23. Spotlight was like as you were a teenager. That was breaking. So. Yeah, Although, I mean, no, like I, that, that math doesn't work. I guess early 12, you've been like 12, right? Because it was like 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, certainly the the problems with the church and the touching of children is like a is sort of seriously Problem. damaged Christian or Catholicism's uh, ability to be looked at as like a serious thing. But uh, one might also say the guy who preaches about helping the poor while sitting on a golden throne in a golden uh, crown with a golden fucking dress well uh, might also and and here's the thing like uh, i've been a catholic my whole life uh you know i liked uh, i've had three popes basically my life i've had uh, uh four yeah but i mean like that i'm aware of okay all right, all right. yeah yeah um and you know like it it sort of went good bad good here in my mind uh, obviously, God damn it! What's his first? What's the name on John uh, Paul? John the Paul, second. thank you, John Paul the second. By the uh, way, one of us grew up Catholic. One of us grew up Catholic. Well, no, I said I had John, thing. I and I and I didn't want to. I didn't want to fuck up again. Wait, like I did. You with, had John. Like I did with that like, drop at the bomb. <laughs> Seventy <laughs> of the popes who had the name John along yeah. with something else, or just John. Right? Yeah, gotcha. Go ahead. John Paul the second was good, but he was he was an but old Confucius, right? Confucius the pope. <laughs> I feel like that's correct. I don't. He know. was he was more old school in the set and the fact that he wasn't like uh, uh, he wasn't like Vatican one or anything like that. But he was certainly uh, more in line with the political ideology of the church. Um, 
and then came along uh, Benedictus, uh, who was a former Nazi youth. Yeah, and was we didn't know that though. Even the further to the right of John Paul, <laughs> John Paul was a, a loving guy, you know, and he sort of he was lucky to have a uh, Mother Teresa at the same time, like sort of the, yeah. them living at the same time, sort of created this like Catholic power couple, if you will. Listen, the College of Cardinals said we've been swaying a little bit to the to the left. How is it that who can we look to <laughs> we to bring have... us back to our conservative values? A Nazi? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> Listen. German folk. Listen, this guy seemed to love people too much. We gotta, we gotta change that up. Is there a German we can hire for this Pope thing? I mean, immediately you go to the German. Immediately you're just like, we need somebody who's tough. Yeah. Who's that? What's that German cardinal? What's his name? Yeah, let's go with him. <laughs> Reinschweigen. And, <laughs> and then they uh, reacted the opposite way, and they elected a Jesse from this from South America. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I still can't. I, I, I. I I still don't have any uh, guidance on this because I asked Roberto earlier. He doesn't I, know. Well, no, I said I I, I called. I don't uh, care what it is. He doesn't know. Why I called. I called Frankie a Jesse, and then I yeah. was just like, "Is this in fact like uh, an inappropriate inappropriate term? Like, or is this just something you can call someone who's a Jesuit? Because like, so I as, feel like somebody uh, would get offended by this, but I don't know if it's like enough people would get offended. Like. You know, I don't feel like I'm I'm saying like a racial epitaph or anything. Like it doesn't no, no. feel that serious. But I I get that because a girl I dated in high school slash uh, college hung out with in college um, went to a Jesuit church. Like the or the Jesuit order was the one who maintained the um, not a not a cathedral. What's the smaller version? The um, oh. Uh whatever a yeah. small it was like a, it's in the eastern shore it's a small fucking place there's not enough for um you know the full-time priest so the jesuits are there doing other work and then the, the priest of the jesuit order is also the priest of the church grew up there and then went to a jesuit uh college and she always said jesse so i assume it's okay but this may be like an n-word thing and like you're allowed to use it but i'm not allowed to use it i don't know well, that's, it, the that's that's the other part like because like i know like a lot of a lot of my people who have interact a lot of my Catholic people who have interactions with Jesuits, uh, all within Catholicism here, obviously. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, are usually kind of like the traditional Catholic who say Jesse as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to a Jesuit who says it. Like I don't feel like I've ever met a Jesuit who said Jesse out loud, but I've heard a lot I, of Catholics say Jesse. They don't call themselves Jesuits, though. They think that they're just we're just Catholic. We're all Catholics, but then if you're a traditionalist, you got to be like he's Catholic, but He's a Jesse. I'm a tw- um, I'm a tweet so Pope know. Francis on this. I just want to. I need some. <laughs> I need some guidance from a pie. Can we get some guidance. Yeah. Do we need to bleep out Jesse on th- our podcast? I just think he'd be cool. Like I think he'd be. He'd answer that question with like some grace, like like a you know a good Pope oh, should. No, yo, what are you doing? <laughs> what the fuck uh, you say to has, me? Somebody has taken over the Twitter account. That's what happened. <laughs> somebody else tweeting from Pontifex. Uh, uh, but yeah, getting back to it, Pontifex yeah. tweeted a bunch of stuff. Well, not only tweeted it, so like it started with like a address, and then uh, they basically transcribed the words of the address into uh, a series of tweets. And I'm really fucking curious because I don't, I, I, I feel like uh, if the Pope at any point in my life up until this moment, it, it may just be like you remember we talked about Carl Nasib being the first out gay player in the NFL. Yes. And it's just like, well, he wasn't going to get 
like huge backlash like this like he would have if he did this in like 1974 or something you know like it wouldn't it's just not as big of a deal nowadays but and i'm wondering if like the catholic church is starting to go this way where people just don't give a shit anymore or maybe i'm just not in the right like facebook group to find to find the people who are losing their shit over this but uh basically pope francis started going heavy left with uh, a lot of socialism on the uh <laughs> on his speech here friendly just, socialism though like good socialism not like rob socialism that's a whole he's not well yeah i mean like you know uh, clearly there's no uh there's no guillotines or anything like that being discussed here um but let me run through some of these uh we must adapt our socio socioeconomic models so that we can have a human face because these mo many models have lost it thinking about these situations god name i want to ask you uh big laboratories to make patents uh available to all <laughs> Uh, financial groups and international credit institutions to guarantee poor countries the basic needs of their people, the large mining, oil, forestry, real estate, agribusiness companies to stop destroying nature, stop polluting, stop intoxicating people and food, uh, big for food corporations to stop imposing monopolistic production and distribution structures that inflate prices and end up withholding bread from the hungry, arms manufacturers and dealers to totally cease their activity, uh, technology giants to stop preying on human weakness, telecommunication giants to liberalize access to educational material and exchange with teachers via the internet so that poor children can ed be educated under even under quarantine. Uh, the media put an end to the logic of post-truth, dis disinformation, defamation, slander, and what sick attraction for scandal that they seek to contribute to human fraternity. Uh, I mean, like, he's just going down the list of, like, literally everything. <laughs> wrong with the world right now right uh, he's like well, peace. here we go environment social crisis all these things uh you know and this is the this is what i had constantly been you know like rationalizing as my reason for still being a catholic is that i feel like in at its basis form uh christianity catholicism should be about helping others should be about lifting people up and, you know, like not letting the poor go hungry and, you know, like all all of the all of the, uh, you know, Catholicism is required of good work. Like there needs to be something that you give back. That's something that you do to help others. And, uh, you know, thankfully, <laughs> Frankie is like right on board with all of these ideas. And I am very happy about it because, you know, the last pope was so uh, uh, so Nazi that I really couldn't I couldn't get involved with the what was going on there. It was just too dictatorial and like uh I don't know. I, I'm just I, I feel like this is a great day for like, you know, the pope as a person to like take the opportunity to take his almost unfireable position and use it for good. Yeah. Um but I also wonder like at what point, you know, like it is it, are are people even paying attention anymore? Is this a big thing anymore? Like, <laughs> used to, the, you know, a year ago or whatever, Pope Francis said something about like letting gay people come to church, like they're all part of the community and shouldn't be exercised out, which for a long time was like a big Catholic no no. Yeah. Uh, to talk about including anyone who had any kind of uh difference from a traditional straight relationship, uh, you know, and even further back in the Catholicism a straight relationship 
where you had no sort of sexual interaction prior to marriage, where you didn't get divorced, where you did <laughs> you had no sex only for children and blah blah blah. Like, well, and to be fair, though, in that way, you're a good practicing Catholic because Corey does not believe in contraceptive <laughs> whatsoever, as evidenced by the current situation. So, um, but I mean, listen, it, <clears throat> I think we're about to see two things. One, how little it mattered that the Pope had an opinion on anything. Um, and two, that the Catholics that you know are either good people or really terrible people. One, you're going to learn it's going to be the Facebook. It is going to be the Trump of all Catholics. You'll be able to see like, oh. So you're a shitty person, even though you're a Catholic and I thought you were okay. Uh, we made it through Trump, but uh, Frankie just took it too far. So now you're going to be shitty about the Pope. Um, but also nothing's going to happen. So it doesn't matter. I mean, like I, I think back, like it was, uh, it was like high school or college where John Paul said that hell doesn't exist. Like it's not a physical place. It's just a existential place in one's mind or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and for it, it, it like it was such a big talking point around the world. It felt like the World Cup was happening. Like it's just like yeah. it like it like everyone stopped and was just like, "What? Hell's not a place! How dare you! Like, like what are How you? How dare you, Pope, leader of my religion? <laughs> tell me rules about my religion." Like you know, like I, I I just I feel like if you know if JP two had done something like this, it would have been a fucking a humongous story. And I wonder if it's just the the lessening of the impact of religion and Catholicism specifically, or if it is just like there's too much shit going on and people don't got time to listen to the Pope. Uh, I don't know. It, I mean, obviously, a combination Either of a the, lot of things could be. The church nominated an actual Nazi to be Pope, and then after that, it's kind of like, all right, well, you kinda know. Kind of hard uh, to bring back from the. <laughs> come back from the brink. Could be on any of those things. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, for the best. Yeah, the Oscars gave Green Book the best picture, but we're you know we're trying to be better. We're trying to be more inclusive. Oh uh, yeah, uh, but I, I listen. I, I hope for the best. I hope that this has monumental change. I just don't have any belief that it will. So all right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, at, at the very least, uh, you're you're in favor of what uh, Pope Francis has been saying here, though, right? I mean, like that. I, I mean, listen. It, I don't think he went far enough. But yes, sure. I mean, let's the, start there. It seems like it seems like a radical shift in the in the Pope to just get on the point where Rob would agree with anything that they say from go. <laughs> you know, like like yeah, uh, some I, of this stuff, some of this stuff is pretty basic humanity one hundred and one. You know, like feeding the poor and housing sure. the uh, not touching kids. Yeah, yeah, like all these Educating, things. You know, these them. these should be pretty easy to easy to follow. Uh, but like, you know, like a big declaration like this, usually, usually Rob would have a problem with what the Pope had to say, but, uh, this time it seems like he's, uh, he's uh, warming up to it a little bit. Although let's wait because much like John Paul and much like, <laughs> let's see what happens Frank next week. Said, he may walk it back next week. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and, uh, speaking of things that, uh, are likely possibly going to happen next week. Uh, I named this section, uh, Yobs, uh, our joke from, uh, Anchorman? Is it Anchorman? Yes. Anchorman. About the, um, you know, uh, it's uh, I'm going jogging. Or... Going jogging. Uh, or, or I'm going jogging. Or it might be jogging. It might be a short J. Uh, and I make that joke uh, because pretty often we have to talk about how no one in my life is employed. I am the only person employed. I'm sorry, Rachel. Rachel's employed, although she's about to go on a long vacation. I am the only person gainfully employed amongst our entire furniture. And I don't know how Corey has 
wormed his way into living this cat life that he has of just napping all day and then waking up and eating and then going back to sleep for a while and then napping some more and then waking up and doing a podcast with me and Blaine. I blamed blamed, uh, me falling asleep today on the fact that I didn't have a chair to sit in front of my computer to work. Like Mm -hmm. I was on the couch Mm -hmm. and therefore at some point when you're on the couch, you're just like, well, I can lay down here for five minutes and it won't be a big deal. You know? Weren't you going to buy another chair? Wasn't there going to be another chair purchased? No, I'm not buying another chair. No, fuck that. I'm not buying another chair. So why wouldn't you just keep your chair so you can work? Uh, because my girlfriend is pregnant and she deserves to sit in a comfortable chair while she works all day. That's At least you have a good reason now. Seven <laughs> months ago, I didn't, but now I do. I mean, seven months ago, you did, but nobody knew. Now you have a justified No, reason. seven months ago, she, she, uh, she stole my chair, but at least I had your old chair to... <laughs> to fall back on you know the one i'm sitting in right now yeah <laughs> yeah uh anyway um so talking about jobs uh there's a lot of worker strife going on right now last last week and i think the week before we talked about yahtzee and the uh possible strike good news folks the strike uh, it may still happen but uh we're on our way to having a lukewarm deal that nobody likes and that is what we call a compromise so i uh I, I I'm not I'm not happy about it, and I don't think a lot of people who uh, are membership of IATSE are very happy about it. Uh, I will say this though: something that seems to get lost a lot in conversations about any kind of large scale union negotiations, um, we react to what happens when it like what the <laughs> what the return is, like what the the agreed upon deal is. Yeah, but you have no idea what was going on in the room, you know. Yeah, and that's true. Uh, you know that I think back to uh, the NFLPA was getting close to a strike at one point, like ten years ago or something like that, and uh, D. Maurice Smith just looked like he was doing zero, like he was just rolling over and getting getting everything taken away from him. Um, and then. I heard somebody talk about it, like somebody who was in the negotiating team for the Players Association, and they said, you have no idea how, like, he, he has no, <laughs> like, it's so difficult to negotiate against 32 owners like this, like, yeah. with all different opinions and uh, different wants and different needs, and you're sort of trying to organize for the collective of, you know, hundreds of players, thousands of players, uh, and it is not as easy as you think it is. Like, it's not like, you know, trying to negotiate where we're going to eat lunch or something like that. There's so many. If you had to do that with a thousand different people, it'd become a lot more difficult (laughs) than, you know, just like looking at a bunch of menus. You know what I mean? But that being said, the chief negotiator for the for the for IATSE, I think they're doing uh, the best job they can. And the fact that they just got a three picture deal at Universal has nothing to do (laughs) with anything. And I don't know. I am insulted by the insinuation. <laughs> Listen, they're on contract now. Uh, <laughs> no, that didn't happen. That, we're just joking there. Don't <laughs> don't get. Don't but if go. that came out, best believe there's going to be a strike. Even if they already <laughs> have a deal, there's a strike. Uh, but basically, what happened was uh, the the last real uh, offer that seemed to be on the table prior to the strike authorization is more or less what ended up being agreed to even <laughs> after even after everyone like packed up all their gear on Friday thinking they were going to strike and not show up on Monday. So it sort of felt like we gave you this awesome power 
of the we're going to strike, we're going to pack up all our gear, we're going to not show up on Monday, and we're going to start picket lines with no additional uh, concessions, essentially. And small, small, small things, but nothing like substantial like they were looking for. No, you know, and like, again, you you don't know what the room was like. Uh, But at the same time, like, I feel like a lot of people in IOTC are there. There were some must haves that were not met. And I feel like that is uh, what is really causing the the uh, trouble here with trying to get a deal eventually done is you know like they don't want to give the it's the same the IATSE workers want certain things and the studios don't want to give it up like these are the three most important points on each side and it's going to be hard to break through that unless you legitimately strike and you know while uh while striking is a protective order or is like a protective uh action that a worker can take uh, that doesn't mean that necessarily uh, you are protected from being replaced in the more abstract sense. You know, like a film production sure. is not uh, there. There are certainly people who work on like studio lots and have for 10 years. You know, if you're a gaffer at the Ellen show, <laughs> you've been working in L.A. for a decade, going to the same lot on the same studio in, you know, in Los Angeles for you know, a decade, but most people switch jobs, you know, like we get new jobs multiple times a year, you know, like we, uh, it's not, it's not necessarily has to take place in Los Angeles. Like part of the reason why a lot of film production does is because people live here. Celebrities live here. Actors live here. Uh, but as soon as it becomes cheaper to just fly them to Atlanta, uh, they'll do it, you know, (laughs) and that's the problem. But IATSE uh, in Georgia stands with IATSE National. Oh no, no, no! So, and I, I understand, but I'm saying like you know there, there is a you know like I, while I certainly think that more should have come from the strike authorization, uh, you don't necessarily know at what point is the point where a lot of film work in Los Angeles could just disappear because it becomes more expensive to do it here as opposed to you know film in like fucking you know, India or something, <laughs> like, you know, like outsourcing is real for this business too. And yeah. that's another thing that, you know, like people who negotiate these contracts are more aware of than, you know, somebody who just happens to be a member of IATSE, not picking on any particular, me- I'm just saying like, you ne- you were never going to know as much as the person who's in the room. That's always been my, my number one, <laughs> number one point in talking about labor matters like this. You just don't know what it's like in that room. Another thing to remember though, is that, the union has to approve whatever deal is struck. So it goes back to all the members. They have another vote and they need a majority vote. And if we voted to strike for these three concessions, 98% of us are sorry, 98% of 90. Is that what it was? 98% yeah. of 90. Um, then I have a feeling that <clears throat> if those three concessions aren't in the deal, that you're going to have a hard time convincing them to vote for the deal. Yeah. So, that's another thing that will kind of remain to be seen. Um, side note to that, uh, there are workers on strike all over the country and mainstream media not covering them whatsoever. John Deere, their national plant shut down, 10,000 workers went on strike. And then John Deere ordered their office workers who are non-unionized to go in and run the line. They made it from 745, which was start time, to 
758 before <laughs> there was a catastrophic injury that required calling an ambulance for. So listen, you could get scabs. Uh, it might not be the quality you think that you're going to get because Dennis over there can barely run a Xerox. You want him to run an industrial mach machine? Good luck to you. Yeah. Good luck to you. Um, and there are other unions on the verge of striking all over. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of people posting me this thing from, um, I want to say it's Henry Ford. Probably not, but it might be. Uh, nonetheless, it was a, a baron during the Depression who said that like, Bad economic times are a boon for us. Labor is interchangeable and it's easy to find. And I think that all over the place, there are companies saying, you know what? There's a lot of unemployed people out there. I bet we can get some of those people in here. Um, you're not happy with $19 an hour, John Deere worker. I could replace you with somebody who would take less than that in rural Alabama or wherever it is that that plant's located. Um, and I think they're going to find out that that's not the case. There is a skill, like much like IATSE, there is a skill to being a John Deere construction or uh, industrial worker. Like uh, you remember to pull your hand out before you hit the button on the press. Yeah. And don't press your fucking hand, uh, which apparently is yet another injury. There have been injuries literally like hourly at the plant. And also imagine you're an office worker. Your boss orders you to go to the line and you get injured. This is going to be an expensive fucking proposition for John Deere because if that was me, oh, on the way to the hospital, I'm just going to laugh and shake and I might not have a hand anymore, but I'm going to get paid. All right. Yeah. You could put the cash in my other hand. I'm good. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, there's just a lot of organizing and I think people should be more aware of it. Well, beyond just that, like, you know, obviously we're sort of in the in the middle of the great quitting, which is like sort of being termed online of like everyone quitting their jobs, trying to get new ones. Yep. And a lot of industries and businesses who are just having a ridiculously hard time finding new workers like you know the restaurant industry right now is just like that's not true though they are having a hard time finding workers at the wages that they want oh pay. yeah obviously obviously that yeah. I'm, I'm saying like they're having trouble finding workers because they're not willing to open up the purse strings more for people who are willing to do it. like right. I, and you know i think if anything uh from a sort of economic level what COVID has proven to people, even if they had really good jobs that had like good benefits and paid them well and everything like that, you know, like all it takes is one, you know, global pandemic for you to realize like, Oh, I'm so much closer to being homeless than I ever realized. I was. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, and you know, like I, I, you know, I, I can feel this too, because like, you know, there's a, there's a part where, you know, like maybe you do something, you know, like I'm sure you took a, a case, when you were a lawyer for less than what you, you thought you should get for it oh, because yeah. you, you rationalize some sort of reason, like, you know, uh, victims of domestic violence deserve a lawyer. Yes, I absolutely did that. I was actually the number one hours on the entire Eastern shore for that. Right. But I'm saying like, you know, at some point, you know, if, if the fact that you never took a dime from anybody who was doing a domestic violence case kept you from being able to survive on your own, you would yeah. have to start saying like, "Hey, listen, I can't do this anymore." Like, you know, I try. That's the difference between you and I. I, I live by principles. Listen, if I was an unprincipled man, I could be a millionaire right now. I again, I said before on the show, I know all of the recipe to become the biggest YouTube conservative talk guy that you've ever heard. Yeah. I could have people buying water with my face on it because no, not anybody who listens to this podcast, but somebody who you know is dumb and a conservative and 
I know exactly what to say to rile them up and get them activated, but I don't, I don't, I work at a music company that is the second fastest growing music company in the country. Everything they do, literally everything I touch, there is a facilitation on my part to make every dollar that comes in. Never had an interview, never been in a public, nobody even knows. People come in and they're like, oh, hey, person who I read that article about, tell me about this thing. And they're like, yeah, you should ask Rob about that because uh, he knows how it works. I just, I plug in the number and then the number pops up and I, I that's the number I go with. Um, but I don't do, don't need to do interviews. I don't need to be famous about it. I don't need to, you know, start my own YouTube company, although if you have $15 million, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, I know the secret sauce, uh, but I am a man of principle. So I oppose your viewpoint. And I would say, I would rather, and in fact, I, the managing partner didn't like that I said this about it when I was a lawyer. Like I well, would rather take one of these cases that's free than a paid case. Well, no, and it, you know, listen, I, I, I applaud the fact that you would do these things. I'm saying, obviously with this example, there's sort of an, a a uh, uh, a real world situation why somebody would take would not take a certain case or take a certain case sure. for a certain amount of money. I'm saying if I've all been, cases, I've been broke four <laughs> times and rich four times, and eventually there's going to be another broke period, but another rich one's going to come around again. I'm in the rich one right now. So if all you thing. if all you did was if your if your uh, if your legal world was only about widgets and getting things from A to B, and it wasn't yeah. about real people. Yeah. You know, maybe there's some person, a friend of yours who you take a suit for uh, for less money than you would somebody who walked in blind off the street. You know, sure. I mean, I can <laughs> if I you're can only writing in that position. If, if you're only writing contracts, some random person who walks in is getting full rate. I walk in and say, I need a contract. You'll give it for me half Double. off, you know? Oh, so, OK. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, no, listen, how much free advice did I give people who are like, hey, Rob, how are you doing? Hi, person from high school I haven't talked to in 14 years. What legal advice do you need? <laughs> no, but I'm saying, you know, like, it, it's it, everyone has gotten to the point now where they're just like, listen, uh, I was a nice guy. I was doing things for cheap uh, because I felt like I could. And now I'm not giving that up anymore. Like, I'm just not doing it. And, you know, yeah. people who work in restaurants, like, you know, they largely got fired and laid off during, you know, COVID. And now they're coming back and they want to work in the same industry. Maybe <laughs> they have yep. at least a passing interest in the same industry. Uh, and they're getting paid the same amount as they were before. So that's <laughs> not helping. And no. they're going to have to deal with more bullshit than they did before. Way more not, bullshit. Yeah. Like, you know, if you live in it, regardless, even if you didn't give a shit about COVID one way or the other, if you were trying to be like switzerland to any kind of covid problem in the world yeah if you're a los angeles waiter now you have to ask people whether or not you know like to see their covid cards and stuff like that and at yeah. least once a day you're gonna get screamed at by some fucking 50 year old who's just like you know like, that's all bullshit and it's just like you're just standing there going on, like this is just my job you're a writer let's do better on the description it's a 50 <laughs> year old blonde or sandy brown haired woman named karen or her white hair 55 year old husband there is no way anyone who is not caucasian is making a scene that regularly it's all caucasian people it's all orange county people coming up here for a night out Stay i mean home. Home, i think other people do it too but i'm saying yes the heavy majority is the the karens and kens of the world uh, and they're about to get elected to senate so i don't want to hear it okay uh, one last thing in the news here. Uh, yeah. We're in jury selection of the odd man, op, ugh, 
Ahmed Arbery trial. Um, and uh, there's a couple pieces of uh, pre-trial motions that are still being discussed. Yeah. And I thought we'd go through those real quick. Well, I mean, uh, how much time general... do you want to go through? Because we were at 50 minutes already. So how much uh, how much touching on this do you want to do? Uh, how about this? I'll just ask you. You get one or the other. Okay, uh, go. go. <laughs> there are two major points that are being discussed by the judge right now. Uh, whether or not evidence that uh, one of the assailants had a Confederate flag on the back of his truck and a Confederate flag license plate, which apparently you yes. have to pay for. Yeah, plate. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, and there's another piece of evidence that is the, uh, there's some sort of dispatch call where you could hear Ahmed Arbery in the background, uh, crying out. And apparently it doesn't look good for the defendants. Uh, if you could, I'm a defense attorney. Yeah. If you could, uh, if you could have one and, or you could only have one of the two, which one do you want? I'll take uh license plate, license plate. All day. As the state, you want the license plate? Yep. Because, um, the I mean, listen, whether or not it was a motivation, it's going to be a discussion now. Three guys who have espoused very Trumpian conservative beliefs about and very racist beliefs about black people. Uh, you might be able to explain away the, the cry out on the call or, or whatever was said on the call, which nobody knows except for the guy calling and or the um, the officer who heard it and the 911 operator. But I can make a lot from the fact that you paid extra, like $1,000 extra to get a license plate with a Confederate flag on it. That says a lot to me. Um, and uh, when you're making the argument like, we just wanted to talk to him. We chased him in the truck because we wanted to talk to him. And like, give me the truck the, with the license plate with the Confederate flag on the front. You feel like there's a reason why he might not have wanted to stop for the guy, three guys in a truck with guns with a Confederate flag on it? Like, yeah, I feel like that is... Even if you are coming in blind to the whole thing, which nobody is, I think you got to look at that and be like, oh, that doesn't damn. look good. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't have a good argument. I, I don't know what to say. So, yeah. I mean, and like I said, I think you can explain away the phone or the, not the phone call. I guess it's like a live mic, right? It was a live mic on the scene. Yeah. Um, you can explain that away. Um, can't explain them. The, the truck you bought two months before it happened, the vanity plates you got four weeks before it happened that you paid extra for. Like it's, that's kind of hard to, uh, to get around. Yeah. Uh, but there were some decisions on other stuff. Um, like Ahmed's history of mental uh, illness can't come in previous arrest can't come in, uh, which is all good because I think the state rightly argued those guys had no idea who he was. Yeah. So even if they, if they had known, then you might be able to make the argument like, well, they knew he was aggressive and, and that he had problems with, uh, with law enforcement before. So they're on edge. He didn't know that he saw a black dude running in their neighborhood and they were not about to have that. So, I mean, uh, and I'm making a, I'm making a guess there, but the fact that, you know, he has a Confederate flag on his license plate yeah. tells me a lot about the guy. So, and the fact that he was about to turn on his two associates before he got charged too. Like what a rat rat. There's a rat in your unit. <laughs> Well, you know what? Honestly, I think uh, I, I I agree with you because uh, I feel like if somebody came to me and said like a man with a Confederate f <laughs> Confederate flag license plate was just arrested for a felony, what felony was it? I would probably He's say <laughs> something about <laughs> something about something super racist. Yeah. So yeah. 
Oh, he shot a black guy, right? Yeah. Where, where is this? Georgia? Oh, he yeah, shot a he black definitely guy. shot that's a black guy. That's 100%. Wait, wait. Was it a lynching? No. Okay. Yeah, he shot a black guy. That's yeah. uh, that's what happened. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, and that's going to be a long. Listen, they're going to take six to eight weeks to do jury selection alone. Then the trial is probably going to take, it's going to be OJ Simpson. It's going to take forever. Um, They're going to a different county. So everyone's going to have to be sequestered. It's like a whole, it's going to be a whole thing. But what is the life worth? Is it if it costs five million dollars to put three three guys in jail, is it worth it? Probably. Um, to send a message, if nothing else. So yeah. Uh, or we could just we... lynch him. We could just go in the jail and lynch him right now. Well, I mean, I would at least like a guilty finding before. I don't know I mean, if you knew this detail. I'm not um, against the death had... penalty. I'm just saying, you know, I. I don't. I don't know if you know this, Corey. Um, he had a Confederate flag on his license plate that he just bought. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, that, that that's a DNA of a type, you know, it's, it's not like scientific DNA, but I look at that and I'm like, don't need CIS for this one. Yeah. 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 But I'm saying like, you know, like even when you feel really confident about how a verdict is going to go down every once in a while, you have somebody walk free, you know, like we've yes. the aforementioned yeah. OJ, there was no evidence to, to keep OJ from being, uh, being found guilty, but why did he get off though? Because there was a lot of a lot of bullshit going on. There was a racist cop. There was a racist cop oh, yeah. involved in the case. I mean, when are people going to learn? When are people going to learn? The racism just never pays off for you, whether it's killing a guy on the street or being a cop. Um. Anyway, I won't talk about cops because I, I I don't want to get off on that. Uh, let's move on. Let's don't lightning around the rest on of this. YouTube. Yeah. No, <laughs> but, uh, let's lightning around the rest of this. Uh. Of course, we had to mention COVID this week. We mentioned it with, with Colin Powell at the top, but uh, another big story, J&J. Um, if you got the J&J vaccine, good. Thank you for getting vaccinated. But also, um, you know the products that they have at Walmart that aren't the thing, but like look like the thing? The generic? Like, um, yeah, yeah, the fruity uh, fruity rings. And you're like, this is not, it's Fruit Loops, but it's not Fruit Loops. You know what I mean? Like, um and apparently fruit, it doesn't have two O's, even though it absolutely did when I was a kid. Uh, so Mandela effect. <laughs> but um, turns out it's the least Count effective. vanilla vaccine. flakes? <laughs> yes. Uh, tiger flakes is what they're called. Tiger <laughs> flakes. For no reason. There's nothing There's nothing tiger about them. Why would you call them that? Anyway. Um, so uh, it turns out the J&J vaccine is the least, um, the least uh, covering, I guess, of them. Effective. Like 70%. Yeah, least effective. At 70%. Which, by the way, Still way better than zero. So you're good. Um, but everyone who got J&J is going to have to get a booster. And essentially what the FDA uh, panel of experts said is this should have been a two shot. What they did is they made it like 1.25 uh, in size. And what they should have done is cut out the two five and made it one and one uh, because it's not not nearly enough. Now, uh, Corey made the interesting point during our pre-call that like, well, thank God though there was a one dose. We live in a city with like 50,000 homeless people and the likelihood that any of them show up for dose two, basically zero. So get the one shot, you get them vaccinated. There's some protection. We're working on herd immunity. I'm down. I, I get that. Uh, and listen, the likelihood that any of those guys are going to get the booster probably low. Um, yeah. Did you get J and J? I don't know. They mm-hmm. came and they gave me a shot. It was water. It was saline water. I don't believe anything. <laughs> There's a guy who complete continues to re graffiti the bridge by my, my, uh, my apartment here. Where it's like um, the vaccine is uh, is fake, and like he has this whole manifesto yeah. that he puts up on a wall, and then the city comes and paints over it, 
And without fail, within two days, the manifesto is back up exactly as it was the first time. And I'm like, bro, you, you are persistent. And I like that about you. Uh, also, uh, he's probably going to stab me. He would stab me if I ever stopped telling that. But uh, Tell him that you appreciate his work. Yeah. He's like, what are you, a fed? And just cut me. Um, but uh, so J&J, if you got the J&J, you're going to get a booster. Go get your boosters. Um, having any vaccine is still better than having no vaccine. But upsetting news uh because this is just going to give people more things to talk about unfortunately yeah and i mean like you know it, i i uh recently heard an interview with somebody who was in you know public health and they they said uh uh you know the the real problem here is that the cdc is the the most effective version of the cdc is when uh something has come out and they have time to study it and they have time to make recommendations based off of a long period of study and then yeah. share that with with the American people. Uh, but more so in since COVID began, they became the immediate person to go to instead of like like a, a pandemic isn't really the place where the CDC should be out front of things like they should yeah. be on the back end, like doing the research. So like and, people... and preparing us for the next time, like they responded really well to Ebola a few years ago. But that's because we'd seen Ebola, we'd studied it, we knew what to do, and everything they'd been working on in the intervening time was to stop Ebola from becoming a pandemic ever in the U.S. What they're doing now is reacting to live, which is not what they're meant to do. If they, the next time COVID comes around or something, another coronavirus, they'll be way better prepared for it. That's their job. That's the Center for Disease Control, not uh, control and prevention, actually, I think is what it used to be called, but it's not the deal with the ongoing global pandemic that's yeah. not what they do so um but the good news cases are trending down uh yes but the deaths remain steady 1200 lives a day uh 725,000 total um yeah. and i think you made a good point too about the um the deaths will like trail the cases yeah i mean like people you know people get sick immediately but they don't die right away you know just because you got covid on Monday doesn't mean you're dead on Tuesday. I wish, you know, it, was. So, I wish so it was though. God. Somebody who somebody who gets COVID today and is going to die. Like let's just let's just say that at some point they will die. It will be, you know, a couple weeks or <laughs> probably, you know, so like uh, a case from two weeks ago is sort of charting as a death for today, you know? Yeah. Fourteen to seventeen days minimum. Yeah. To, to get to that point. So, yeah. So it will trend behind and it remains to be seen. This is actually the first time they've become this disjointed, the cases to deaths, which for me is worrisome because that could mean the variants are more deadly than um, some new variant that they haven't even found yet because the DNA takes two weeks to come back. Could be it could be out there and could be killing people. The best case scenario, because Corey loves to see the world with rosy glasses on. Uh, also, he likes Rosie to clean his floor. But um is that, oh, well, the deaths will come down as the weeks go on because it's trailing. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, 725,000. By the way, we're talking about the worker shortage. Maybe it's because 800,000 people aren't working anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I will also say uh, the this this all seems too familiar to me, at least from what I've been looking at here so far, which is, you know, like a lot of people get sick in like a big bunch and then there's the downtrend, and then people are just like, we're safe. And then all of a sudden it goes back up. And honestly, I think a lot of this just has to do with the fact that uh, people are you know, stupid. It probably, it, I'm, I'm guesstimating about like a six month protective period between getting COVID. Like, 
if you got COVID, you know, January 1st, you know, come June, July, you can get sick again. Like there is some sort of uh, <laughs> some sort of protection you get from having had COVID, but that doesn't keep you from getting it again forever. So hey, keep I think- in mind, though, there one of the contractors uh, at my work has had COVID four times in 19 months, four times yeah. in 19 months. So the six month is a soft. I mean, essentially oh, yeah, what yeah. happened is he got it in March and then as soon as he could get reinfected, he got reinfected and got it again. Like what? Yeah. But how do you get it four times? How do you not start doing things to not get infected? After well, I mean, like if you if you get it and like literally nothing happens, then you probably oh. you're probably one of these people who just like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like. I can do These whatever are I want. People who are like licking doorknobs and getting the flu yeah. five times a year. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> but here we I, are. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, so lightning around some politics stuff here. Yes. Uh, SCOTUS. Uh, That's Corey. Did you know that not every opinion is released with like fanfare and the dissenting vote and the concurring vote and all of that? Is this new to you? No, no, no. I, I, I know that, you know, you can you can send it down to the lower court and there's not not a lot of fanfare involved. But I do. I, I For whatever reason, I felt like uh, there was uh, on a case like this, they might still have a count of the dissenting votes, even if they didn't necessarily. You'd think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you'd think. Uh, unless there were some people who voted ways that we wouldn't expect. And they were like, you know what? Maybe it's better if people don't know that. I, I mean, that's that's honestly what it makes me think. Like, you know, because I feel like Sotomayor would take any opportunity she can to say that she was on the other side of a qualified immunity case unless she wasn't. You know? Yeah. So, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like it kind of just makes me feel like this was like a nine nothing decision behind closed doors and they sent it back. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to. And. and- I'm fine with that. If they are like, listen, procedurally, this should never have come here. We're sending it back to the court. Here are your instructions for how to proceed. Go. That's great. You can say that, though. And that's not what they they just basically release the decision. And that's well, it. And also dissent to me. Uh, <laughs> while there is certainly dissent that happens in these types of cases from time to time, I feel like it doesn't get out as much just because, uh, you know, like if you're not actually hearing the argument, what are you dissenting to? You're dissenting to it in principle. Like. Yeah. Uh, you know, Texas, when they basically shadow docketed that and sent it, <laughs> sent it back, like they were just saying, like, you know, there was a, a clear message from the dissenting justices because they didn't want to make it seem like they were part of this whole thing, you know, like Sotomayor yeah. and Kagan, and they didn't want to make it seem like they were, <laughs> they were involved in this. Um, but uh, yeah. we've, bur- we've buried the lead there a bit. The cases were both about qualified immunity for police officers. Uh, You can read up on cases. The California case, I actually agree with, which hurts my feelings like deep down. Um, But principally, I I stand with the police officer. Something you never hear me say. I stand with the cop on that one. Uh, And in the case out of, um, I think it was Texas or Tennessee or Uh, somewhere in the South. Oklahoma. Close enough. It's a race (laughs) thing. I absolutely disagree with, uh, but... um, they basically lumped them together and said, here are two qualified immunity cases. We are sending them both down to the other courts with instructions. Like that's it. Um, finding for the police officers. So um, qualified immunity, again, is not a national principle. It is a locality thing that they put in and Congress could easily stop these kind of things and give instruction to the court by saying, cops do not have qualified immunity. Here is the very limited circumstances under which you could uh, not be charged with something 
if you're a police officer. Well, and the, okay. the problem, too, with a lot of these qualified immunity cases is that they drive to be so specific to use as the basis for a uh, like a standard, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, oh, well, this one cop was found uh, <laughs> was found liable because he shot some guy wearing a blue shirt and my client was yeah. wearing a red shirt. So therefore, it's not totally the same different. case. Totally like different he, can't, he can't. We have to take this up to the Supreme Court to find out whether or not he has qualified immunity. Uh, in this case, the cop need on his neck. Now, in my case, my guy need on his uh, solar plexus, which, as you know, is four inches down from the neck. Yeah. It is a very different case. We must take it to the Supreme Court. Uh, this guy, this perp was named Raul, and this guy's name was Randy. So, uh, I'm, totally different. Totally I different. mean, I it's think qualified case. immunity should stand, even though every single other detail <laughs> of the case was the same. Yeah. Uh, and again, for the California case, it was. Pretty clearly just a guy, a cop doing his job, um, which is shitty, but uh, you shouldn't be uh, charged with a crime or sued for doing your job, especially when the guy is fighting you and you're just trying to get him in cops. Well, and that, that's really the the, the rub, because, like, you know, there, there's some things that cops do that are that I wish they didn't do, but are also not things that I deserve. I think they deserve to be sued personally over. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and we all, you know, it's kind of the definition of pornography. You know, when you see, like, I just know when I see police abuses and when it's somebody doing the job per se. Well, uh, and th- really, this goes to the perp who is working off all of our feelings of cops aren't as good as we think. And he's like, yeah, yeah. For instance, I fought a cop for twelve minutes, but when he finally got me on my stomach, he kneed on my back for eight seconds, and we don't like that, do we? Right, right. We don't like the kneeling on people. Yeah. Fuck you, dude. It's like you fought him for 12 minutes and then he held you down briefly to cuff you. Well, Fuck you. How dare you? Like, like watch cops. Like I, I think <laughs> I think that's a great like idea of like what is acceptable and unacceptable police quote unquote brutality, if you will. Like oh, yeah. you'll see, there you'll are see a some... thousand re- recordings that didn't end up on the show. If Fox put it on TV, it's probably close to all. Yeah. Right. If you if you saw a cop like, you know, like see some guy running down the alley and then he caught him and then threw him to the ground to cuff him, like all yeah. of that is protected. <laughs> there's like there's literally no other way to do it other than that sometimes, you know? Like L- listen, as much Judge, as I'd I love asked him to stop four times, I politely <laughs> asked him. I said please. <laughs> As much as I'd love police to just be like, hey, stop. And the guy goes like, all right, I'm stopping because this is part of a legal, <laughs> a legal got process me. for which you I must got be me. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just not it's just not realistic. But, yes, I, no. I mean, like, I would love less uh, immunity for police officers. But like and th- these two particular cases, I mean, the, the other. Yeah, I looked up the the Oklahoma one. It's kind of like, you know, the guy was threatening his family with power tools. And then yes. the, the police went into the garage and the garage opened up and he had a hammer in his hand. And then apparently he walked towards them and started raising the hammer and they shot him and, and killed him. Uh, so that detail is in uh, in question. Yeah. He may have just turned towards them as you do when your garage door opens and two cops say, hey, and you're like, what? Yeah. Bam. And yeah. they sh- So it may be that he walked th- towards them menacingly. It may be that he turned towards them. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, all I'm saying is like, you know, like I, without knowing more details of the case, I think it's uh, it's on the line, if you will. But yeah. like, yeah, uh, at the same time, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. The, these two don't, you don't offend me fight. that I much. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, and so speaking of things that are not realistic, but this was like the weekend of news that isn't news. It's news about people trying to make news that isn't news. And it blows my mind. But uh, I got already forgot his name. Senator from Florida, I want to say. Uh, Louisiana Cassidy. Louisiana, yes. Um, said Trump might lose the nomination if he runs. And then other places basically picked up on this and said, isn't this interesting? Trump could lose. And they're reporting it as if Trump could lose. And instead of saying, like a, hey, like a political theologist came together with a, a docu or a, a researched work or something. Listen, we have 12 uh, Nobel laureates on this study. <laughs> we did the study. We agree. Hey, no, this is Bob Cassie who has nothing to lose, not running for reelection really just hates Trump voted for impeachment. If I remember correctly, like yeah. he is not the bellwether of the Republican party. What he's saying is the thing he hopes. He hopes that a moderate will run and that the people will come to their senses and vote for the moderate over Trump. And that that will possibly get a Republican elected because truthfully, he doesn't think Trump can get elected again. So that that's where it comes from. But everyone reporting this just was reporting it as like Trump could lose the election. I'm like, mm, what go in, Oh, what you're talking about is an interview where somebody said Trump could lose the election, not that he could actually lose. I mean, um, the the problem is here's where Cassidy got it wrong in my mind. Uh, part of his argument was depending on what happens with the midterms could depend on what happens with yeah. Trump. If all of a sudden all Republicans everywhere start losing like crazy, uh, and the, you know the Democrats gain seats in the House, which they're not supposed to do. And gain right. seats in the Senate, which would be definitely not supposed to do. Well, I mean, they could do it, but it would be less like the House is like off the table. Like, there's no yeah. way the Democrats get more seats in the House. So if you are looking at election night on 20 in 2022 and you say, oh, the Democrats gain seats, then that's bad news for Trump being uh, being able to win the Republican nomination. But at the same time. Also, like, the, sorry, just caveat to that is if the Trumpers are running against a moderate and the Trumpers lose and then the moderate wins. That's also bad for Trump in 2024. Like you backed one of the two Republicans and the guy you didn't back one. Yeah. So why would we then put our faith in you when you can't get con congressman elected? Even yeah. though a Republican kept the seat, it was a moderate. It was the, the Wayne Gilchrist Republican, not the other guy. Yeah. And I mean, like the, the thing is the thought pro process from Republicans right now is that Trumpers are 60 percent of the party. So 100 percent of the politicians must be Trumpers, too. Right. Unless you're unless you're in a situation like Adam Kinzinger, where you're a Republican, but in a suburban district, like you're more of a you're more of a country club Republican. And therefore, yeah. you can yeah, yeah. walk away from Trump and seem like a reasonable guy. Um, you know, Listen, like we're some scared of black people, but some... we don't hate them. <laughs> There's redlining for a reason. <laughs> uh, the uh, I think that he needs to, you know, like. If the Dem if the Republicans if the Trump effort of the Republican Party gets shellacked in the midterms, then Trump will not be as popular come presidential run. The problem is that all the people who enabled him and were acting on his behalf are going to be the people who run as well in the same. Yeah. So, do you have enough? You know, if Trump is running plus Ted Cruz plus Marco Rubio plus. Uh, uh, Josh fucking what's his face from Iowa. I'm trying to remember his last name. Yeah. Josh. Yeah. Funky yeah. looking Josh. Holly. Um, Holly. You know, and pick 
you know, five other people, you know, fucking Greg Abbott or something like that. <laughs> and uh, uh, DeSantis, like all these Republican, all these Trump like Republicans that there's fucking 13 of them. And then there's one Larry Hogan. Like, you know, there's a chance that all these Trumpers are kind of like siphoning off votes from one another, leaving yeah. the opportunity for a one Hogan type person to be able to move ahead of the rest of them. But at the same time, if Hogan doesn't gain traction, like if he's the one reasonable Republican in the group and he doesn't gain traction, then you're just going to end up with some version of a Trumper at the end of, you know, Josh Hawley, if he won, if he beat Trump for the nomination, became the Republican nominee, like he's still going to be a ridiculous clown. Like he's not going yes. to, he's not going to wake up the next day and just be like, we learned the error of our ways. You know, like he's still going to have to lean into I, I the also, Trumpiness of it all. You know, I think one important thing to remember is that I don't think Trump runs a race unless he is very sure he can win it. And if the midterms go bad, that might be the end of him. He might just be like, all right, I'm done with this politics thing. I'm not, I'm going to take my ball and go home rather than lose to Joe Biden a second time. Like that, that's where I feel like, I don't, I don't so, feel that. I, I feel like he would run that thing until like he, he, he just will continue to run and say he got it stolen. Is there a grift? And, can yeah. he make a buck from the campaign? Then maybe. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He can make a buck from the campaign. That's why he's going to do it. <laughs> You're right. No, you're right about that. Uh, if he can make it, if it's a grift, he'll stick it out. So I mean, he'll be in jail and he'll run. Like that's that's true too. I I, I don't I don't foresee any way that we're getting rid of him until he's dead. Like essentially, that's that's where where this shit will end. Oh uh, well, there's an idea. Anyway, and speaking of other <laughs> not a suggestion, news, just, a, just a <laughs> other fake news this week. Um, a Fox newscaster tweeted Maria Bartolomo story. Yeah, a tweeted story. Uh that Nancy Pelosi was was pushing hard for this uh, Build Back Better bill because as soon as it passed, she was going to retire due to unannounced medical problems. And that in of itself, I mean, sure, okay. Um, but everyone else reported on it as if it was some sort of scoop. Like, oh, Maria's got the scoop. Like, no, no, she doesn't. She's just making shit up now. And every story I saw wasn't that... Uh, that Nancy Pelosi, something was up and there's a source. It was, Maria says this, so... I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I thought you made a good point about this too, that, uh, and wait, maybe I made the good point about it. I can't remember. <laughs> Nonetheless, just that, uh, if I'm Nancy Pelosi, this is exactly what I want to happen because a bunch of Trump people all across the country are going to be like, you know what? I'll give them a trillion dollars. If it means we can get rid of Nancy Pelosi. And then, uh, Nancy like passes the bill and she's like, well, guys, I have a big announcement. We have a whole agenda to get through. I'm here <laughs> for life, baby. I just uh, like I I don't even understand what like what the what the logic of of having that as a story like if you have a real good source and you yeah. really trust it like I'm not going to I'm not going to say you're wrong like you know like if a uh, fucking Chuck Schumer told you that Nancy's going to step down and she's she's expressed this to me now now I'm listening yeah that's a that's a source that's somebody you can you can kind of trust in this whole thing uh but if you get somebody like that, there's no way you don't ask at least one follow up question like, you know, like or, or try and find somebody else who knows something like you are making a segment on your national keep show. investigating it like, yeah, you know, like, but, you know, the, the it, it almost feels like, uh, uh, fuck, what was the uh, like the Drudge Report would often yeah. have these like somebody told Rumors. me. 
Yeah, somebody. So, <laughs> there's a there's there's some gossip going on in Washington about how, and it's never like a source. It's not like Colin Powell says. Like <laughs> it was always just like rumors around the building are. I was taking a shit in the Capitol, <laughs> and I heard a guy on the call in the stall next to me. I, I heard was... an unsubstantiated rumor that I would like to make it be seem realistic. Yeah. So I had my friend read the thing and tell me that it was his understanding. So now I have a source for this story. And it sounded, because I wrote it, it sounded amazing. And I ran <laughs> with it. Um, and then it, another story that sounds like it should be fake, but is not actually fake. Trump is suing the National Archives. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about it last week. Uh, the insurrectionists are... Uh, uh, the January 6th commission is trying to get records from a bunch of Trump people and people who are in the orbit of Trump. Uh, uh, so far, not going well. Uh, Steve Bannon is a, uh, <laughs> they're actively investigating whether to hold him in contempt right now. Uh, so that could happen soon. And then God, I hope so. they made a request for records. Uh, Trump said that you can't do that. He's claiming executive privilege. And then Biden reminded him, uh, I'm actually the executive at the moment. So go ahead and release those records. <laughs> and now Trump is suing the National Archive, who is the the holder of the records Tec to the keep them from keeper. releasing. Yeah, yes. the technical keeper of the records to keep them from turning them over to the January 6th commission. Uh all of this Which says innocent is, to me, Corey. I don't know why you're suspicious. All of this says nothing happened. There's nothing to know. Clearly, a guilty man wouldn't sue the National Archive. <laughs> librarians. He's suing librarians <laughs> to keep them from allowing someone to check out a book. Yeah. Is there any chance there's not something in there that makes him look guilty as fuck? I mean, listen, th there's a lot of, like, Trump guiltiness that, like, is kind of, like, funny and endearing in a way. Like... When uh fucking uh Kaylee McEnany starts going on about how Jen Psaki is violating the Hatch Act, like it's funny because she did it constantly. Like it's like yeah. <laughs> it's just like oh look at this little like that doesn't raise to the to the level of like the Congress investigating it or anything like that. That's just good clean fun. Uh, I mean violating the Hatch Act should be a big deal, but you know we're yeah, all it's not we're all either. sort of looking past it at this point. Um. You know, I, but Trump suing the National Archive for them to stop releasing the record. Like, it, it almost feels like he got into the White House and he's just like, wait a minute. Everything I write is being said that it is a record somewhere. Like, hey, you, what are you doing? Why are you still writing? Are you writing down everything I say? Oh, you, my God, this is going to be terrible. Why are you putting that piece of paper that I put big breasted women on into a folder and putting it into the National Archive? The problem is, knowing Trump, he had that realization somewhere around December of 2020. <laughs> Uh, I just like, who are you? I've seen you around a lot. <laughs> National Archive people showing up with boxes, just like, oh, we're here for all your stuff. What? Whoa, what? Whoa, what? What's, this? <laughs> What's this? I got even money on the fact that he had someone redesign Nancy Pelosi's office, and that file is in there. And they're like, Mr. Trump, can you explain why January 5th you said, excited to get these uh, to an email that had an attachment redesigning Nancy Pelosi's office uh, and making it your west office or your east office i i don't know what you're talking about that never happened <laughs> sir uh the answer to the email is in all caps and it just says <laughs> awesome great thing um are you, first, you didn't write that first of all trump doesn't email so <laughs> oh that's true <laughs> yes. which is oh, which is hysterical to me he's like he's terrible but at the same time great at twitter 
when he was allowed on Twitter, right? Like that says more about Twitter than it does about Trump. He he, he did not know how he was doing it, but he did it somehow. Like the the id worked on Twitter. But at the That's same time, Twitter is just id. It's everyone's id <laughs> you out know, and about. You know how to you know how to do that, but you don't know how to respond to an email. Like it's hysterical. Anyway, uh, uh, this is our country, Corey. This is you are bringing a child into this world. Yeah. Just so we're clear about that. Yeah. Well, uh, Rob and I will record a special podcast here shortly, uh, talking about all of that that will be released. Uh, when uh when the baby is released, so uh we'll we'll get to that later. <laughs> is she getting out of prison? What's the <laughs> I mean kinda, I guess, right? <laughs> Being um, released from here's the womb. The thing. You need to make sure and insist that she never listens to me at all because I'm gonna be like, Well, it's, it's sweet, that that's uh that's three ninety five. You gotta listen to all three ninety four before that, before you get to that. We're episode. gonna we're gonna work on a headphone situation. <laughs> It'll be like you taking said, a baby to a monster play. truck rally. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get those big <laughs> batted headphones. Like, wait, okay, Rob is on a 90-day a trip to Sub-Saharan Africa. Now's the time. Uh, there's no chance he can influence <laughs> this whatsoever. We're going to go sit her down and let her listen to this one show. Or I just uh, just mysteriously, all of a sudden, like all the episodes of the podcast are deleted on YouTube. And <laughs> just like, oh, I don't know what happened. Somebody at YouTube must have made a mistake. I'll call them and give them a piece of my mind. Of all, which one of us do you think has connections at YouTube to get videos that are deleted brought back? I mean, come on. Come on. All right. Well, Wait. if you want to, if you want further machinations of a YouTube genius and then Corey, you know where you can go? <laughs> where is that? Othanthem.com. Corey to Othanthem.com. Othanthem on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line, 443-219-7595. What's the number again? 443-219-7595. So normally now. That's the wrong one. There we go. There we go. We got it. Uh, Normally now, I would would tell you to go to my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, but uh, it is not currently up at the moment. Uh, We are doing a little housekeeping at the CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com headquarters. So uh, that will be. Somebody forgot to pay a bill. Did you forget to pay the light bill? And then you're going to tell everybody (laughs) we're going to have a candle at dinner? Is that what's going on? No, 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 no. I. Actually, I paid the bill and then I asked them to refund it because I wasn't able to use the. That's eh, big thing. It doesn't matter. New website coming up very shortly. Uh, and uh, if any of you know a great uh, website building website, then uh, let me know because I'm interested in that kind of information. Um, if only somebody let us sell ads, then we would have an official, you know, website solution. Yeah. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Corey Baker phone at Legends V5 on Twitter, Instagram. And TikTok. Uh, and that is it for now until the website is back up. All right. And you can find more of me at Robert and Chicken on social networks, uh, robertandchicken.com for links to everything I'm working on. Also, uh, the thing that takes up the majority of my time now, um, I stream uh, on Twitch, uh, Robert and Cheek on twitch.tv, uh, streaming Call of Duty and Splitgate. And uh, season six is wrapping up. We're getting excited for the haunting event. I'm going to be streaming about that. Uh, and then, of course, Vanguard on November 5th. So I already pre-ordered Vanguard. We're going to be out day one. I might take the day off work. I've reached a new low. I might take the day off work to play Call of Duty all day, uh, and I'm, I'll stream the entire time. So come find me, twitch.tv forward slash Robert and Cheek. And, of course, if you play, join me. It's Anku, A-N-K-O-U, Ker, K-E-R, is Y-S on uh, Activision Call of Duty. Yeah. Well, I think we've done good here today. Oh, we've done something. <laughs> I don't know if it's good. Wow, that's applies to this podcast and um 
something you did like nine months ago. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> this has been the Odie at the Podcast, part of the Odie at the Digital Network. <laughs> I have a bro- I'm pretty sure I have a broken rib, and I have laughed more in this episode than I have in like the last five episodes, and I just get stabbed every single time. Good. I deserve it for Corey. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's karma. That's karma coming back and saying, <laughs> you know what? This is what you deserve. Uh, for Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. Be safe, everyone. Please be safe. I mean, wh- who are you talking to? Who's who's going to actually do that? Well, I don't know. I, nobody's really listening at this point anyway. It's just my way. <laughs> As someone infamously said, Rob, listen, we're all hypocrites. I mean, everybody but you. We're all the rest of us. We're <laughs> hypocrites. I'm the last good man in America. Uh Think about me, 2024, November, just saying. Benevolent dictatorship, it is, you know, it's not overblown. Just try it.